You're listening to the Candid Comms podcast with Rachel Miller. Join me every week for practical advice and inspirational ideas to help you focus on all things internal communication related. Hello and welcome to the show. This week's episode is a fairly controversial topic, but it is such an important one for us as internal communicators. It is how to say no to stakeholders. Are you ready for this one? As ever, you will leave with one thing to know, one thing to do, and one thing to think about. Let's get started. This topic of saying no to stakeholders is such an important one. Over the past week, I've had various consultation calls and mentoring calls with internal comms professionals around the globe. And in particular, there were two conversations I had where we were talking about saying no. And I said to both of those individuals, I think I should record a podcast episode on this topic. And they said, yes, please. So here we go. This is what we're focusing on today. What do we need to know when it comes to saying no? In my experience, internal communicators are nice people. We're typically kind. We're typically genuinely interested in organizations, its people, and the way work happens. And there is absolutely nothing wrong in that at all. However, more often than not, how that manifests itself is we don't like to say no to people. We become the yes people. And as a result, our work is overloaded, where we don't like to say no to our leaders or our stakeholders or the people around us. So what happens, and I'm sure this will resonate with you, what happens is our to-do list gets more and more and more and more and the single biggest problem is us let's be honest because we keep saying yes we just don't seem to be able to help ourselves now there's various reasons why we may want to do that it's probably because we're trying to build relationships inside our organizations nothing wrong with that we're trying to establish our credence with our leaders we're trying to establish credibility with them perhaps working as trusted advisors with them and we want to be known as yes people we want to be known as people who create opportunities for them so something i think we need to know comms friends today is our personal brand how i describe this is your reputation and promise it's who you are and what you're known for Another way of looking at it, in the words of Jeff Bezos from Amazon, is it's what people say about you when you're not in the room. What do they say? Do they describe you as the yes people or are you known for saying no? And what's the impact of that? Thinking about our personal brand, who we are and what we're known for, just think this through with me. So if you're known as a yes person, What's the impact of that? What are you known for? Are you known as the go-to person or team to get stuff done? Brilliant, let's hope so. Or are you known for not saying no? 
where actually people can see that you are overloading yourselves and you are taking on things and you are responding to vanity projects. Now let's just bust that open. Let me share with you what I mean by that. Imagine the scenario where you are working in a comms team and you've got a full schedule of work ahead of you. You've got your editorial calendar planned out maybe for the next month. You know what conversations are due to happen. You know what channels are in place for the next month and you've got a really full schedule there. And then you have a certain leader or a certain stakeholder will get in touch with you and ask you to do something. Now you have a choice here, comms friends, where you could look at that schedule of work, realize that actually what they're asking for is a vanity project and say no. And what I mean by vanity project is actually what they're asking for is to go into a certain channel or have a slot at your town hall. But actually what they want to talk about is a project that only serves them. It's for their ego, it's their reputation. And actually, if that particular channel was for the whole organization, it's a bit of an ego trip on their behalf because actually the conversations that we ask and the things that we're mindful of in terms of why do employees need to care about this? What's in it for them? How is it targeted? How is it timely? How is it relevant? Actually don't exist. This is just a certain individual, stakeholder, leader in the organization who wants a bit of glory, perhaps, and wants to use our channels. Now, what would happen if you said yes? You'd probably have more work to do, but I would hazard a guess here, comms friends, that the quality of that channel would go down. If you say yes to the wrong things, it doesn't create space for the right things to happen. That's a life lesson that I learned years ago and I apply it in my life constantly. As a business, if we say yes to the wrong sorts of clients or the wrong types of work, it doesn't create space for the right opportunities to come through. That's probably a whole nother podcast episode about running an internal comms consultancy. So we'll just park that for now. But what we're focusing on here is what happens if we say yes and what happens if we say no. And let's be really honest and really candid because this is the Candid Comms podcast. It's a heck of a lot easier to say yes, isn't it? And we just overload ourselves and we just shoehorn things into our channels and we know the quality goes down. And we think that we care more about that than anybody else, so it's okay. It's not okay, it's never okay. What would happen if you said no? What would the impact be? What you need to know here is what your personal brand is, your reputation and promise is probably not gonna be in jeopardy because when you work as a trusted advisor, part of that relationship is the trust. Anyone can be an advisor, but to be a trusted advisor, you're trusted to be constructive. I spoke about this in a previous podcast episode. I'll include it in the show notes at allthingsisee.com forward slash podcast for the show notes for this episode. If you are a trusted advisor and you are trusted to be constructive, you know what? That means you're going to say no sometimes to your stakeholders and that is okay. It shouldn't damage your reputation long term because a good trusted relationship ebbs and flows. You will say yes sometimes and you will say no sometimes. But here is what I want you to do. 
in order to give you the skills, the knowledge, the confidence to say no and to push back to a stakeholder, this is what you need to do. You need to gather your evidence. So let's just think through that scenario of somebody wanting to have something shoehorned into an already packed town hall agenda. And it is very much a vanity project where maybe the criteria for your town hall agenda, and I encourage you to think like this if you don't have this in place already in your organisation, is information that will be useful, timely, targeted, relevant for the majority of your colleagues, the majority of your workforce. Whoever can access the town hall content, be it live or be it recorded afterwards, it has to be thinking about information that's relevant across the organisation. So that could be things like financial results, it could be things about market conditions, it could be things about client feedback or your products and services or the latest figures that your people need to know. These are all pretty broad, pretty generic stuff. You need to have a mix of content. So normally for a global town hall, for example, you would have something that is applicable to everybody. Now, if you have updates from certain teams, great. Normally that's through the lens of why do our people need to know this? What do they care about? What are they gonna take away? What's the call to action? What's in it for them? These are all great questions to bear in mind when you're planning your town hall. But if you then have this request for something which is a vanity project, which is an opportunity for somebody to get a bit of kudos and get a bit of exposure for their team about how well they're doing X, Y, Z, how does it meet those needs? How does it answer those questions? Why do our employees need to care? How is this relevant for our colleagues in different countries who may not know who this person is, may not know what the project is that they're talking about, and it really doesn't feel relevant, timely, or targeted? You need to say no. So the evidence you can gather is, if you've ever said yes to something and you know in your gut that was the wrong decision, and you know that you really shouldn't let it happen, you really shouldn't have let it through, but it was just easier to say yes. What did your colleagues think? Do you or could you gather insight and evidence from your colleagues that say, you know what, this really didn't work for us. We don't know why this was shared with us. And maybe they've got some negative feedback or they switched off at that point and they didn't bother watching the recording at that point. This is where your evidence comes in. And the reason that's important is if you've gone through the video of your town hall, for example, and you can see that most people dropped off at that point when that update happened, or you've got questions that have come in or feedback comments that have come in, or you've used your comms champions or your eyes and ears group, your editorial board, your employee network, whoever you've got in place comms friends, ask them. Gather your evidence in terms of what did you think of the town hall? What stood out for you? What worked? What didn't work? Because I find being able to push back with evidence is really helpful. Part of that is because it's not just us saying no, where we're able to have a conversation with a stakeholder to say, I hear what you're saying and I understand that you want to be part of the town hall maybe you share your channels matrix which shows you we talked about that back in season one again i'll include a link in the show notes where you can help them see the purpose of the channels and actually maybe you've got a column in there and i spoke about this 
back in season one where it says this is what a great story looks like for this particular channel you know against your town hall is there a column that says great content for this is xyz you know it's global content applicable to everybody timely targeted relevant etc if you can help that stakeholder understand and see that actually what you're looking for and what you're asking me to do does not fit into this channel it's really helpful you're sharing your thinking you're working out loud I often use a channel's matrix to push back I certainly did when I was in-house I was able to demonstrate and show why this is not the right place in fact I get lots of requests now for people to come and be guests on this podcast and this is our space comms friends this is for in-house internal communicators to come and share their stories that's who's very welcome to come onto the show when i invite guests to join me they've all been in-house internal communicators never say never but that's the purpose of this podcast and that's who i invite to come and share their stories when i have other comms consultants who want to come in and, and speak and spend time here and share their stories that's not the purpose of this podcast. The purpose of this podcast is for me to share advice and guidance with you and for me to bring in people that I know, like and trust in the world of internal comms who are your peers so they can share their stories with you and hopefully you can increase your own skills, knowledge and experience from your peers. I'm really strict on that. And the same is true for when we work in-house. When we're really clear and have absolute clarity around our channels, we can push back to stakeholders to say no. We can help them understand. You can use this sort of language, coaching language. Let me help you understand why, as fascinating as your project sounds, the town hall is not the right channel for that. But we can certainly help you write a story for the internet or record a video or whatever it might be. So you need to gather your evidence. That's what you need to do. So using that feedback, if you have comments, for example, they're really useful because it's not just you saying this really doesn't work. You're able to share with stakeholders who want to be in a particular channel or try a certain thing or maybe talk about a change that's coming up, for example. I find this a lot. When we communicate change inside organisations, if you come up with a title for it or you talk about transformation but you never actually explain it properly, you don't help anyone, not least of all our employees. So the feedback is really helpful to say, well, we could communicate it in the way that you're suggesting. However, anecdotal evidence or feedback from our employees suggests X, Y, Z. Or we know from our employee survey that our colleagues feel like change is done to them and at them, not for them or with them. So as a result, what you're proposing will not work. Again, it's evidence. There is so much evidence and insight inside our organisations. You just need to know to look for it and where to look for it. One of the things that we can do as a real quick win is at the end of every channel, every town hall or every campaign or every initiative that you're doing internally do you do a wash up do you do a review a feedback an analysis form where you look back at what worked well what didn't maybe you do a, a SWOT analysis what were the strengths weaknesses opportunities and threats or as a result of what we did this is what our objective was and this is what happened this was the output this was the outcomes etc 
Are you doing that regularly? If you're not, I encourage you to do that. It's helpful for all manner of things. It's helpful to push back and say no to stakeholders, but it's also helpful for your own objective setting. It's helpful for you to look at, this is what I'm striving to achieve. These are my objectives. These are my goals. These are my, whatever you have, key performance indicators. Then if you're regularly measuring, you're regularly asking for feedback, you can then reflect against it and say, how am I doing? Am I on track? what's gone well, what hasn't gone so well, what have I learned as a result? That continual measurement is such a good habit to get into. I encourage you to do that. And part of that, again, is gathering that evidence to then inform your future decision-making. I wonder how you're feeling. How does it feel when you say no? If you've had conversations within your comms team and your director or your head of internal communication knows that you've said yes to something and they say, why on earth did you say yes to that? How does that make you feel? Do you get a knot in the pit of your stomach where they're struggling to understand why you've said yes and they're asking you, help me understand why, why why did you say yes? The honest answer probably is it was just easier to make this person go away. But you're not setting yourself up for success, you're not setting the stakeholder up for success, and you're not setting the rest of your team up for success. So it is really important. And I promise you, I hated, hated saying no internally. I found it so hard when I worked in-house. I really, really struggled with it. I didn't want to say no to people. I wanted to say yes. I wanted to have a great reputation internally. I wanted always the teams that I was working in or leading to be known as really proactive and and, future focused and focused on the business. However, more often than not, if I ever said yes to something where I really knew that I shouldn't have done, if I then had to go back and say, you know what, I've spoken with my boss and um, I now understand that actually we can't do that. Oh, it makes me cringe even just remember that. It makes me feel quite hot actually. I can recall at least three or four conversations where that happened to me when I worked in-house. And it's oh, it's just the worst feeling. It's really cringy and it, oh, it just makes you feel, it made me feel like my stakeholder thought less of me. That it looks like I didn't give them quality advice up front. And I've worked so hard on that. I worked really hard on that when I was in-house. And now, particularly as a comms consultant, I'm really happy to make recommendations to clients and say no to them. But always, always, always for me is explaining my thinking, explaining the rationale behind why am I saying what I'm saying? Why am I recommending that they do something or they don't do something or they say no to something? The more you do it, the easier it gets. It's not a doddle, it's not the walk in the park because you're dealing with other people's emotions and expectations. But I promise you, the more that you get comfortable being uncomfortable, the more that you say no, the more practice that you get, it does become easier. Your future self will thank you when you start saying no. I know that it's really tricky to start with. If you've got any top tips of what helps you say no, I'd love to know. Feel free to get in touch with me. You can message me at allthingsic.com forward slash contact or maybe find me on Twitter at allthingsic. Look me up on LinkedIn, Rachel Miller, or find me on Instagram at Rachel All Things I See. 
we're going to take a short break and when we come back I'm going to leave you with something to think about. I'll see you in a moment. Comms friends, I'd love to invite you to join me at the water cooler every month. This is my email newsletter, which is packed with ideas, with jobs, with news, and the latest goings on in the wonderful world of internal communication. Head over to my website, allthingsic.com forward slash newsletter to add your name and join me at the water cooler every month. Welcome back in the final part of today's episode on how to say no to stakeholders. I'm going to leave you with something to think about. A few years back, I was mentoring an in-house internal communicator and we were having a conversation about saying no. And she said to me, I feel like I need a few phrases that I can just have to share with stakeholders. So I did a really, really quick brainstorm of what are the normal types of conversations that I have where I say no. And I called it, these are the most difficult conversations to have with stakeholders. And I did it as a table really quickly. Within five minutes, I dashed out this list of phrases. And I wonder whether any of these are familiar to you. Imagine if someone has come to you who is a stakeholder and they want you to write a comms plan and they're doing some big projects and big initiative and they've called you in and said, I need you to write a comms plan. Now, what are the questions that you're going to ask? I imagine that one of the questions that you should be asking is about their milestone. So what's coming up? What's happening when? And that phrase that I've heard myself say, and I know comms friends that you will be saying this too, is my comms plan is not your project plan. In other words, I'm very happy to write your comms plan on this project. However, until you share your timeline with me, I'm unable to do that because I can't possibly plan dates. And therefore, it's hard to know what channels to use or what content we're going to be creating on certain dates because my comms plan is not your timeline or my comms plan is not your project plan. Communication should be part of that wider conversation. I wonder if that resonates with you. I've heard myself say that so many times. It's really hard to write a comms plan without the clarity, without the detail. I wonder whether you get embroiled in those sorts of conversations internally where you end up with half the information you need or 10% of the information you need. And what we need to be able to say here is to push back, is to say to our stakeholders, really super happy to support you by writing a comms plan. Here are all the things that I think are missing. If you really want to go that far and, and do a whole list. I talked about this in the change comms episode in season one, where I talked about your known knowns and your known unknowns. I've used that in this discussion to push back and say no to a stakeholder where I've mapped out our conversation in terms of here are my known knowns. You're going to be doing something. It's going to be impacting these people. My known unknowns are exactly what, exactly when, exactly who, exactly how. You get the point. So it's really hard to write a comms plan with so much ambiguity in place. And then you give that to your stakeholder and say, let me help you understand where the gaps are as I see it. Go away, nicely, um, work on that. And when you're ready, come back to me and I'll talk about how I can support you with a comms plan. Is that rude? 
No. Is it aggressive? No. Is it assertive? Yep. Do I sound confident? Hopefully. But what I'm looking for here in this conversation is a great outcome for me, for them, for our employees. We're not gonna get that if we say, sure, I'll, um, yeah, I'll um, just take that away and, and write that comms plan for you. Based on what? Based on what? We, do. we have so many gaps. I have actually, <laughs> should I tell you this? Yeah, I'll tell you this. I have actually written a comms flow once where it was just basically highlighted in yellow. So I did a Word document and I highlighted in yellow all the gaps where I was being put under real pressure by a particular stakeholder when I was in-house. And I knew I didn't have the information I needed to be able to write a comms plan. Well, I could write one, but it was it would be so gappy. So I decided to highlight the gaps. And I didn't do this to annoy him. I didn't do this to be awkward, but I wanted to help him understand he wasn't setting me up for success. I couldn't support him in the way that he needed because he needed to give me way more information and access to way more information that he'd given me. So then I wrote a comms plan and it was 80% yellow highlighter and 20% was what I'd managed to piece together. And I remember sharing that with him and I did it in person and we sat together and I fired it up on, on the screen and showed him and I said, look, this is where we're at. I understand that you really want me to do this, but these are all the gaps. And he took it really well, actually, because it wasn't me being difficult. It wasn't me being awkward. It was showing my workings out, showing the evidence to say, I need more from you in order to make your project a success. I'm going to read some of the other hardest words to say in internal comms. Are you ready for this? When you need to say no, I encourage you to say no because. This is back to the evidence bit. Whenever you're saying no, give a reason. Explain why you're saying no. Don't just say no. Explain the rationale, whether it's because it's not the right channel to use and you're asking, Rather than saying, no, that's not the right channel to use, you're saying, tell me what the story is, who you're trying to reach, and I'll advise you how to communicate it best. And then you're showing your channels matrix, for example. Another conversation where you might need to say no may be that you believe somebody is wrong. And that's pretty tricky, particularly if you're working at a senior level. If you're working with your leaders or you're working with your CEO, perhaps, or a country president, Telling them that they're wrong is really critical because if you see them doing something, and this again goes back to being a trusted advisor, if you believe that what they're doing is wrong for whatever reason, you have to tell them. You may talk to their peers and you may gather evidence and you may do it collectively and might not want it to be all on your shoulders. But if what they're doing, maybe there's an integrity gap between what they say and what they do, for example, then it's important one of the roles of us as internal communicators is being the conscience of the organisation. You hear this a fair amount. There's various schools of thoughts on this. But for me, I think about our role is holding a mirror up to the organisation and helping it understand what it's reflecting back. So if you believe that behaviour of your leaders is wrong or they're doing something which is really not helpful and it's not conducive to a positive culture, you're holding that mirror up by gathering insight and evidence, by gathering in rumours, gathering in what your people are saying, and you're reflecting that back up to your leaders or stakeholders or whoever needs to hear that. 
that's such an important role. Again, I promise you that gets easier. It's not easy the first time that you do it. The final thing I want us to think about is saying no to people who may be your boss, but who do not understand internal communication. Bear with me here. So imagine you are reporting into marketing or maybe you're reporting into HR or maybe you're reporting into external comms or maybe even directly to the CEO. So your stakeholder is actually your boss, but they have no knowledge of internal communication. So let's create a scenario. Imagine that you report into your external comms lead, say, and they let you know that there is a really negative article that's going to be online and it puts everyone in a bad light inside the company. It's going to be severe reputational damage. Your customers and clients are going to probably see this article and read it and they're just giving you a heads up. But they don't expect you to do anything about it whatsoever. Where does your brain go to right now? Where does your mind go? Hopefully you're thinking, that's not okay. We need to make sure our colleagues are aware. Ideal scenario for me in this particular situation is to help your employees understand what the company line is. Now this is always something quite sensitive here. You need to be really aware of, you know, do you know exactly what's going to be published? Do they have credible, accurate, reliable information or is what you think going to be published actually when it hits the presses is quite different, for example. It's really important that you have clarity in terms of what's going to be published. But what you can do and what I encourage you to do when you have situations like this is it's not okay for our employees to read things externally and for there to be radio silence internally. Why? Well, because we need to take control of it internally. We need to be saying, we're really disappointed to read the coverage in such and such publication. It's unfounded or it's untrue, or maybe, depending on what it is, if it's a bit controversial, maybe you have an internal statement, but then you have an all hands meeting or all employee meeting where you gather people together face to face or virtually on a, on a call and talk it through and your leaders are super visible, if it's that bad, if it's that catastrophic, that actually it's too important a conversation to just hope that people will see it and know that it's nonsense. You have to get ahead of it. You have to be able to talk internally about it. Ideally, at the same time, what we don't want is for lots of press to go out and then actually there's radio silence internally and there's a big gulf of maybe three hours, four hours, half a day, a whole day, a week, where we've said nothing, you need to strike while the iron is hot. That's critical. We know this as internal communicators. We can see the reputational impact and the negativity and the, the damage it does to our reputation externally. But most importantly for us through an internal comms lens is what's the impact internally of course, we're concerned with the external reputation as well. But what happens inside is reflected outside. How many times have you seen headlines where there's been quite a scandalous story and then employees are quoted? I wonder if we got ahead of the story, if we'd have shared our view internally, whether that would help in those scenarios. Who knows? But the most important thing to do is you are the comms expert. 
when you are working inside your organization and you've been brought in as a comms expert and if you're reporting to people who do not have knowledge of internal communication this is your bag this is what you do for a living so you need to help educate the organization to help them understand why it's important to take control of that external narrative internally and talk about it and say this is why we're disappointed or this is why we're upset or here's what the truth is whatever is relevant in that particular situation i know how frustrating it is to work inside an organization where you are a team of one and you are the only internal communicator i had that particularly towards the end of my in-house career where i was setting up a function and i was the only comms professional and i was working in internal and external comms heading up both and i didn't have any peers around me i didn't have anyone i could ask for advice and guidance nobody else understood communication that's what i was there to do and boy, I've never been as lonely, (laughs) if I'm honest with you. It was the most visible, the most vulnerable, the most exposing, the most frustrating, but also the most challenging and invigorating and thrilling situation to be in. But it took its toll as part of the reason why I've set up the All Things I See Inner Circle, which is my membership for senior level comms directors and heads of internal comms that runs every six months. There's more information about the Inner Circle at allthingsisee.com. Just look for the tab that says the All Things I See Inner Circle. When you are working in that super visible role, when you are working in that senior role, it's even more critical that you say no and that you push back to your stakeholders. I hope you found this episode useful. It's quite a controversial topic, but it's such an important one, comms friends. So what I want you to know is to think about your personal brand, who you are and what you're known for. What would happen if you said no more? The world would probably not end. You'd probably benefit not only yourself, but your channels and your team and the people around you. Learn how to say no constructively this is what you need to do gather your insight gather your evidence gather feedback gather anecdotal evidence that you can use in your conversations with stakeholders to help them understand why you're saying no and then think about could you have some phrases that you use that you're comfortable saying think that through for your own organization or when you've said no and the world didn't end what did you say capture that keep it somewhere journal it or keep it somewhere where you can remind yourself next time you're in a really difficult situation and you need to dig deep and you need to feel confident in your skills your knowledge and your abilities i know that you can do this it's super important that we get the balance right between saying no to the wrong things to allow the right things to come through As ever, I'd love to hear from you. Do let me know what you're taking away from this episode. Do you find saying no to stakeholders very easy? Or maybe if you find it really tricky, what's been helpful from this episode? Do get in touch. You can find me online at All Things I See on Twitter. My website is allthingsisee.com. I'm Rachel Miller on LinkedIn. Or find me on Instagram at rachelallthingsisee. And as ever, remember what happens inside is reflected outside. See you again soon.